Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds in stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's ARKseedkits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. Arcseedkits.com. Make sure to go to TimCast.com, click join us and become a member to support this podcast and all the work we do, and you'll get access to exclusive uncensored segments from TimCast IRL and way more. Now, let's jump into the first story. Perhaps I spoke too soon last night when I discussed the potential return of COVID mandates and lockdowns, because rapidly, These mandates are being implemented. Old policies are being reinstated, and it is happening right now. Take a look at this story from yesterday. Lionsgate brings back mask mandates in office. As a new variant, EG5, becomes dominant, the studio is asking some of its employees to mask up and self-test. There's a lot of stories to break down. We've got universities. We've got Biden calling for people to get more uh, uh, to get vaccinated. We've got Forbes giving advice on when you should get your new and latest booster because of these dangerous new variants. We've got a report that a man from Japan has brought the new dangerous BA variant into this country. More and more, we are seeing these stories emerge. But I want to show you one thing before we get into all this news so you can see it happening. Just give old COVID mandates a good old Google search. And as I did this morning, because I am pulling up research on the latest reports, We can see that the WhiteHouse.gov National COVID-19 Preparedness Plan was updated 33 minutes before I started recording this video. I don't know what that means, right? Uh, For all we know, there was a typo on the page. They changed a sentence. This National COVID Preparedness Plan has been up, I, I think, since like 2021. But it has been updated. So we've got a lot going on. We've got Biden urging Americans to get their new COVID-19 boosters. Rutgers is enforcing a vaccine mandate. Atlanta College is reinstating its COVID-19 mask mandate as students return. Rutgers is saying they're going to disenroll people if they don't get their, I I think, triple vaxxed. It looks like COVID lockdowns are back on the menu. Oh boy, just in time for a major election cycle. This is what I find fascinating. There's such to break this down. One thing that I was saying about Joe Biden's inability to win in 2024, let's 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 start here. Why this may be happening for one. There's a lot of people who are paranoid about covid. A lot of older people, uh, definitely people in big cities where the population is particularly dense. They're very paranoid. That could be a strong reason. In fact, it's probably one of the only reasons they actually get these lockdowns. There may be political reasons behind locking things down, but the only way you get people to comply is if they are scared of COVID. But I said this, I don't think Joe Biden can win, at least right now. 
Joe Biden is in the polls rivaling Trump. At this time in the election cycle, uh, in the last election cycle, Biden was ahead of Trump. Trump was way down. And the margin for Trump's loss in 2020 was lower than his victory in 2016. Only 42,000 votes across three states. That's why this whole election thing erupted, because Trump was basically like, that's it? 42,000? Right. If Trump maintains his 75 million vote count, even, even 74, I don't see Joe Biden winning because they don't have COVID lockdowns. And Joe Biden has led this country rather poorly. The economy ain't doing too well. I wouldn't, you know, look, there's, there's a lot of arguments about whether it's good or bad. I think it's chaotic is the easiest way to explain it. Certainly, sometimes stocks are up. We've got high interest rates. There's fears of inflation. Inflation's cooled down a little bit. It goes back and forth. But all I got to do is look at gas prices. And gas prices, at least where I'm at, are over four bucks. Well, they're, they're floating around four dollars. And that's a bad sign for whoever's in office. So here's what I want to say about politics. And then I'll, I'll read you through all this, this COVID lockdown stuff. With the lockdowns, they were able to do universal mail-in voting. They were able to keep people away from, from sports and, and movies. People were locked in their homes, bored out of their minds, panicked. And the TV kept screaming, Donald Trump did this. He was the problem. You see, when Donald Trump was giving his daily COVID briefings, his approval ratings started to go up because people were starting to feel better. So what happened? Oh, boy. The networks pulled his COVID briefings off the air, calling him a liar. That's right. Political. You see, I think without the lockdowns, they got nothing. Joe, who's going to vote for Joe Biden? Now, I will tell all these people who are like, there's no way Joe Biden got these votes at one. Dude, you're right. Joe Biden didn't get 81 million votes. Anti-Trump got 81 million votes because the TV blamed Trump. I, they knock on doors. They say, fill this out. They go to nursing homes, ballot harvesting, ballot chasing. That's how they pulled it off. It doesn't matter in the big cities so much. It matters in the swing states. So now they're bringing these lockdowns back, it would seem. And the reason I report, I, I, I want to cover this right now is as we are at the front door to the potential return of lockdowns, vaccine mandates and mask mandates, it's best you know about it ASAP, lest you be ambushed by it. But it is here. Now, I will also add the double edged sword nature of the lockdowns. They blamed Donald Trump the first time, and that got a lot of people really angry and they voted against Donald Trump. They said these lockdowns are his fault. Donald Trump was the one who came out and said 15 days to slow the spread. And then they were complaining about his leadership and the governors were like, oh, you know, if you Trump this, Trump that, they blame him for everything. They're not going to be able to do it this time. In fact, it's going to be Joe Biden who screws this one up. This could create a massive negative impact on Biden's campaign. People are going to say it was under the Democrat leadership. We ended up with all of these problems and another lockdown, more mandates. I don't want to live that way. But there's another potentiality. While that may lead to a Donald Trump victory, because we don't think Joe Biden can actually win. Most people don't think he can win. There are, look, it's, it's, it's a, right now the polls have it at a coin toss. But they're not taking into consideration that 12th grade males, voting age males now entering the voting block are skewing conservative. They're going to vote for Trump. Liberal young people, really hard to get them to vote liberal. They really don't care. It's all, you know, social media influencer stuff. Young conservative dudes, they're going to go vote. They want to be part of this. Here's an alternative. This could spike Joe Biden massively and create a path for Gavin Newsom to come in and say, Joe, you let us down. We were done with COVID and then under your leadership, it is time. 
you know, this, this bad, you know, the COVID came back and I, I'm going to come in and fix it all. Don't be surprised if in 2028, there's another, oh no, COVID's back. 2030, uh, 2032. Oh no, COVID's back. It's just going to keep happening, isn't it? Here's the news from the Hollywood Reporter. But before I get into that, my friends, I have an announcement to make. And I hope you all uh, uh, spread the word. There's a local DIY skate jam happening in Martinsburg, West Virginia. It is the 10th Cluckin Year Anniversary Skate Park Jam with music, games, and food. Free parking at the Raleigh Street Skate Spot. Google it. Support from Embark Skate Shop, August 26, 12 p.m. And I am personally committing $20,000 towards prizes at this local DIY Skate Jam Best Trick Contest. $12,000 for first place, $6,000 for second place, $2,000 for third place. Richie Jackson, famed pro skateboarder, will assist in the judging. Now, I have not been in communication with any of the organizers. I have no idea what their plans are. I just heard about the event and said, I'm going to put $20,000 towards the event. Want to make something cool happen. And I figure that this, uh, this amount of prize money is, is, is a good amount. It's a good amount. We want to inspire people. We want to help, uh, you know, bolster the local economy. And I hope many people come and uh, have a great time with food and, and fun and family. And uh, someone's going to walk away very, very happy. Hopefully this money can cover their rent for half the year or something like that. Give them a, a, a good chance to just skate, hang out, or maybe just make it easier on their bills. It's a lot for, for, for skateboarders. So I hope uh, people, you know, want to come. We'll see how things uh, play out with this. But uh, this Saturday, we're going to be there. We're going to be there skating at this local DIY spot. So tell your friends it's going to be good fun and uh, someone's going to win a lot of money. But let's read the news. Lionsgate brings back mask mandates in the office. Hollywood reporter says, is it starting again? Oh, boy. A Hollywood studio has instituted a mask mandate for its employees in light of the current COVID wave. Really? Lionsgate sent an email to staff asking them to mask up on certain floors of its Santa Monica office after several employees caught the virus. The studio is also asking employees to conduct self-screening before coming into office. While this is obviously just one office of one studio, the move comes amid some national buzz about whether mask mandates might be returning as variant EG5 has become dominant in the United States. Oh, heavens me. You also have this story from Inside Paper. Traveler from Japan tests positive for the new COVID variant BA286 in Virginia, the second case of the new variant in the United States. Here we go. Hollywood Reporter goes on to say, the variety has caused an, uh, an apparent boost in cases, yet experts also said This Omicron descendant variant, which has been spreading domestically since April, has thus far shown to be no more of a cause for concern than previous variants. According to reporting by The New York Times, the new variety isn't expected to cause a major wave akin to the first Omicron outbreak. Last May, the film industry relaxed its COVID protocols to require no uh, to to no longer require masks in the workplace. Deadline was first to report the news. Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all-time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five-star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life-changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. 
They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Tim Pool today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. Here you go. From Forbes.com, new COVID boosters expected this fall. Why some doctors suggest holding off on getting your booster until then. Oh, really? Oh, what does this have to say? New COVID boosters pending approval will only target the coronavirus's Iris strain and other XBB subvariants, which make up most cases in the U.S., causing some experts to encourage patients to wait for the new shots. Well, there you go. The Biden administration, as of two days ago, will be urging Americans to get new COVID-19 boosters. I can only say this as it pertains to vaccines and whatnot. You've had a couple years to find a good doctor. I know it's not easy, but listen, man, you got to get medical advice from someone who understands this and doctors who understand this are out there. I, I, I do not accept this idea that every doctor is part of some secret, you know, cabal or, you know, that's probably unfair that every doctor is blindly marching in lockstep. There are bad doctors. There are good doctors. And you've got to do the work to find the good doctors, the good doctors. It's not going to be easy. We have this from the Atlanta Journal Constitution. Atlanta College reinstates COVID-19 mask mandate as students return to city. Oh, boy. Here we go. A week after classes began, Morris Brown College is once again requiring students and employees to wear face masks on campus. The small private Atlanta College announced the mask mandate Sunday in a letter to faculty, staff and students saying the requirements and other COVID-19 safety protocols will be in place for two weeks. The college cited reports of positive cases among students in the Atlanta University Center as the reason for the decision. Morris Brown President Kevin James told the Atlanta Journal-Constitution in an email Monday that the college has received no reports of cases on its on its own campus yet. He described the steps as precautionary measures. Let's uh, let's read that one more time. Morris Brown president told AJC they have received no reports of COVID, but they're taking precautionary measures. You could take precautionary measures anytime for any reason. Why now? Hmm. I just think it's a wonderful coincidence that a presidential election cycle is now kicking off. Ad spending has begun. Now, we here in the media industry are celebrating with party poppers and fireworks in politics season because, oh boy, the ad spend from all of these political parties is just just absolutely massive. But understand this, as these ad spends start to increase, you will see the politicking increase alongside it. The Atlanta University Center consists of several historically black colleges and universities on the city's west side. Morehouse and Spelman Colleges and Clark Atlanta University began classes Wednesday. Morehouse's website states that the current alert level within the Atlanta University Center consortium is green, the lowest of a four-tiered alert system. The green designation means the prevalence of the virus is minimal. What are they going to do? Are they going to claim that Donald Trump caused 
this ongoing lingering problem. And they say, you know, if Donald Trump took care of this properly, we wouldn't have a resurgence. You know, we, we the Biden administration did everything right. And then, you know, it starts coming back. Because it was it was Trump's fault. I don't know how they navigate this one, to be completely honest. We got uh, uh, Brown Institute says Rutgers set to disenroll students on August 15th, if not compliant with covid vaccine mandates. On March 25th, 2021, Rutgers University became the first university in the nation to announce that we require students to take COVID vaccines for the fall 2021 enrollment, retracting its January 8th, 2020 announcement that with our stance of human liberties and our history of protecting that, the vaccine is not mandatory. What happened within a few short months that made Rutgers ultimately decide to, with students civil, to, to, uh, to hack with students' uh, civil liberties? Rutgers claimed and still does to this day that it is commitment to health and safety for all members. As of today, today, Rutgers remains one of less than 100 universities out of 2,697 four-year colleges to refuse to let go of vaccine mandates. Now, I don't know. I don't know exactly if this means anything. Rutgers apparently has maintained this. There are many places that have never dropped their COVID policies, Maine being one of them. This is what I talked about yesterday. I went up to Portland, Maine for the weekend, and I, and, and I learned while no one is following the, the policies, the mask policies have never been lifted. That was crazy to me. I shouldn't say mask policy. I was told that Maine never dropped its COVID lockdown policies. I guess people just slowly stopped listening to them. That's a good sign. That's a good sign. Hear me out. This means that there's no re-implementing the policies. Now, they might come out and say it's time to start reinforcing this and try. But if they're already in effect and culturally no one cares, what are they going to do? Make another of the same law in the same order? They may have health officials go out and start issuing fines and then restaurants are going to get angry. But it may not stand because you, you, right now what may occur depends on the judges. If they come out and say in Maine, OK, OK, look, I know, I know we've never gotten rid of the mask policy, but we stopped enforcing it. Now we're going to. A judge may argue you can't do that. You can't drop enforcement and then just start singling out individuals. We'll see. I'd assume many of these judges are going to be happy to join in with all the insanity. So it may just be that it all comes back. We'll see what happens. I honestly don't know, but it really does look like we are gearing up for some serious lockdowns. Warroom.org. Natalie Winters writes, Biden has already begun buying COVID-19 equipment hiring pandemic safety protocol enforcers. Now, this is what the war room writes. Let's read what they have to say. And again, I want to see some evidence. What do you got, war room? What's your evidence? Natalie Winters writes, the federal government has started purchasing COVID-19 equipment and hiring advisors on safety protocols amid speculation the Biden White House will reinstate pandemic era lockdowns and mandates. The unearthed government contracts from entities including the DOD show millions in taxpayer funds being used to purchase COVID-19 equipment, such as test kits. Some of the contracts, which are traceable via the federal government's spending database, are even scheduled to begin in future months, such as October and December. The DOD, for example, gave Hologic, Hologic Sales and Services a $1.5 million contract beginning on October 1st. What is this? USSpending.gov. We have a document here. Set to conclude in May of 2024, the federal database, re database reveals Hologic COVID testing services in support of Department of Pathology at Madigan Army Medical Center in Tacoma, Washington. I'm going to pause right here and be skeptical. First, understand, War Room has a zero NewsGuard score. We all trust NewsGuard, don't we? Here's what I would say to this. 
Take it out with a grain of salt. To be, I, I think that's absolutely fair. The framing here, and I, I think we, I think Natalie Winters is coming tonight. We can talk about this uh, on IRL. The narrative here, the suggestion is that COVID lockdown may be coming because of this contract. Well, look, if this contract ends in May, I what they're going to do it just through the primaries, and it's COVID testing, one point five million. It's not a whole lot of money. They say the Department of Veteran Affairs also inked a two million dollar contract with Abbott Molecular beginning on, uh, beginning on September twenty second set to conclude September of 2024. Now, that's more interesting. It will provide testing services for viruses, including COVID-19. Here's what I can say about this. Let's uh, let's pull this up. USspending.gov shows this is real. Warham is not wrong. This, this award amount did happen. Hologic COVID testing services in support of the Department of Pathology at Madigan Army Medical Center. But we don't know exactly what that means. It is It could be specifically just this one army medical center getting funding, 1.5 million, not that much money in the grand scheme of things. I don't think that suggests a massive nationwide role at the federal level. $2 million. Do we have uh, the US spending.gov here to Ab- Abbott Molecular? And I'll, I'll also say like absolutely excellent work digging these things up to, uh, to War Room. So we have this, uh, that's Hologic. And then we have Abbott Molecular has received this, uh, uh, Alinity M COVID testing, HIV testing, HPV testing supplies. This is not outright just COVID. Here's, here's what I mean to say, why I bring this up. Interesting what they're, what they're spending money on. But look, $3.5 million is a drop in the hat in terms of what they're going to need for a massive rollout. I do not see this as being indicative of any kind of major rollout occurring. All of these stories I've shown you, are opening a potential door. They are grains of sand. The question is, when do, do the grains of sand dropped make a heap? The most important thing is to pay attention to what's happening right now, because it would seem COVID mandates are coming back. In many places, they're here. One small Hollywood studio, university is now enforcing uh, heavily, or I'd say not, not, not now enforcing, but it is heavily enforcing the vaccine mandate. Biden's going to push for more vaccines and all that stuff. It is all preliminary. It may not come back. We'll see. We've got two hospitals in upstate New York that have already brought back their mask mandates. There are concerns about new variants, calls for testing, calls for vaccination. We saw the Forbes article. Right now, it's hard to say for sure because it has only just begun. But what did what did uh, Hollywood Reporter say? Is it starting again? I think that's the appropriate question. Is it starting again? Pay attention to all the little things that are happening around you. While not one of them suggests a grand mass nationwide rollout, all of them could be the beginning. They cannot just come out and say, we hereby decree the mandates are back. It has to be done slowly. It'll start with because of the variant, we're going to have employees mask up. Alex Jones has that viral video where he says a TSA whistleblower says they're coming back. So here's what may happen. In October, they're going to say, we got this new variant. So passengers, you have the choice, but we are going to have our employees begin masking up because they're here every day. Then you're going to get employees sick. They're going to say, oh no, TSA agents are getting sick. We have to slow down travel again. We don't have the meat. We can't, we don't have the ability. Pilots getting sick. Then they're going to say to protect our employees because of the amount of travel and to maintain your ability to fly for the holidays. You got to wear a mask. And they're going to say, listen, for those of you that want to travel, the people who don't wear masks, they're going to get the, the, the employees sick. 
the pilots, the flight attendants, the TSA agents, the gate agents, and then nobody will fly. Don't you want to go home for Christmas and Thanksgiving? Better wear your mask. And that's where it begins. But again, man, we'll see. I think it's important to remain vigilant, paying attention to this. And I think we need to assert our rights and make sure this is all done legally and properly, which I think in many instances it was not done legally and properly. But I can only tell you this. If Maine has these policies still in effect, they just stopped listening to it. You live in the cities. It's what you get. You live in the middle of nowhere. No one's going to notice. We'll see. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code POOL at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Rumors have been circulating that many of those missing in Maui may have actually been children. There was a viral post that I believe got deleted on Reddit that said that many of these kids were at home or by themselves while their parents were at work. And when the fires hit, these children may have lost their lives. We're now hearing from, I believe, actually the governor that many of those missing still 850 may be children. And it is horrifying. Now, there's a lot of blame to go around. Everyone's pointing the finger. And I don't blame Joe Biden for a wildfire. It's, it, the disasters happen. Now, I do think that Joe Biden's response has been rather awful, to be completely honest. Now, more than ever, you need leadership with an event, with a tragedy like this. And we have this clip posted by the Post Millennial. Did Biden fall asleep during meeting with victims of the Maui fires? I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm not mad at Joe Biden. I'm mad at the people who voted for Joe Biden. This dude appears to have fallen asleep at a meeting with the victims of the Maui fires. Why? Because he's 80. Because he's an old man. He needs to be in his wheelchair with his blanket on his lap in the sun napping, not flying to Maui to meet with a devastated community and talk about what we are doing as a nation to help those in need. Now, don't get me wrong. The president should do those things. Joe Biden is not capable of doing those things. And I can only be so mad at Joe Biden. Don't, don't get me wrong. I can be mad at Joe Biden over corruption and barisma and war and a lot of things. But I got I got to say, man, we are all part of this machine and some are more to blame than others. No question. The corporate press, 
the neoliberal establishment, the uniparty elites who so desperately hated Donald Trump that they made this happen. Let me play the video for you. You can watch it for yourself. Here's Joe Biden. He appears to be sleeping. We are a community that relies on family, on Ohana, whether by nods blood, a little bit, dozing off. Oh, are his eyes opening? Oh, Grandpa Joe. But like many others, my son's And then his eyes start to sink up. again. And Oh, my daughter's oh there he goes. There he goes. Don't worry. Don't worry. Maybe he was just resting his eyes. See? See, here's what the BBC says. COP26 was U.S. President Biden asleep? Or just resting his eyes. Look, he's looking down. Maybe he's on his phone. I love that one. Maybe, maybe he's just looking down at his phone and he's texting away. I don't know, man. But when I look at this and I see a lot of people uh, retweeting it or commenting on it and saying that he, he seems to have fallen asleep, how disrespectful, I'm so angry. I'm just like, dude, I am not upset that an old man dozed off because that's typical. I am upset that this country has become so broken that this is who was elected simply because Donald Trump is a mean guy. And this is where we are now outside of not being mad at an old man for falling asleep, but being mad at those who voted for him. Well, let me just say this on that point. It's an important point to make as we enter the 2024 news cycle. You can tell all your friends, okay? I'm not mad at Joe Biden for falling asleep. He's an old man, but I certainly cannot vote for a guy who falls asleep while meeting with the victims of the worst wildfire in nearly 100 years. Sorry, I can't vote for that guy. Now, Donald Trump may have mean tweets and all that, but the dude is at least spry and his arrogance is actually an asset, despite the fact you may not like it. Now, Outside of where, you know, I am perturbed seeing the president fall asleep like this. Let's talk about his tactless behavior. This is where we can actually criticize Joe Biden and those who voted for him. This man is incapable of being president. And we need desperately right now leadership. From the Daily Mail, Joe Biden sparks outrage by comparing a Hawaiian blaze that killed at least 114 to a kitchen fire at his house after making tone deaf hot ground joke to rescuer. You see, this is the issue. I know a lot of people are are, going to come out and play the stupid game of charisma doesn't matter. Policy matters. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. Morale. Everyone who's ever led a team knows morale is key. If you think you are going to win, you put in that effort and you win. You know, people often just vote for whichever candidate they think is going to win so they can say that they voted for the winning guy. Isn't that crazy? I have managed large teams. Uh, I, to a certain degree, manage a large team now. And if people are demoralized, work is not getting done. That is a problem. If you have people in this country demoralized because they feel blackpilled, bad things happen. This is why I am upset over what Joe Biden is doing and saying, because at the very least with Trump, 2016, I didn't vote for him, didn't like his attitude. 2020, I'm like, I certainly can't vote for Biden. And I did like Trump's policies. But more importantly, the foreign policy stuff really pushed me over the edge. At least Donald Trump can get up on stage and say, listen, we're going to get it done. And you're like, all right, well, you know, this is a guy 
that desperately needs approval and will try as hard as he can to earn that. Not perfectly. He'll also push back on his attractors when he feels he can't win them over. Trump is not a perfect individual. Far, far from it. Here's a story from the Daily Mail. Joe Biden sparked outrage by comparing the Hawaiian blaze that killed at least 114 people to a kitchen fire. The president's motorcade was met with screams of F you after he finally arrived in Maui two weeks after the inferno, which left 850 people missing and destroyed the historic city of Lahaina. Biden compounded the anger in a garbled meandering speech about the deaths of his wife and daughter in 1972 before com- comparing the horrific blaze to a kitchen fire at his Delaware home in 2004. The 80 year old capped off his disastrous five hour tour by asking a rescue team whether their boots were reinforced, noting the hot ground beneath their feet in a tone deaf attempt at humor. Hawaiian residents and politicians have unleashed a torrent of criticism over Biden's failure to visit the island sooner and a paltry $700 offered to each affected family. He's in case. Oh, wow. Look at this. They're flicking him off. Angry Hawaiians are seen gesturing as Biden's motorcade passed Monday. You know, he already left. He's already on his way. Apparently, he's going on vacation or whatever. To date, Biden has approved $8.2 million in assistance to 2,700 households, according to FEMA. Republicans were quick to compare that to the $12.1 billion in security assistance that has gone to Ukraine so far this year. The president pledged a further $200 million to Kiev on the same day that people affected by the fires in Hawaii were offered the $700 checks. Talk about spitting in the face of these individuals. I am not a hardcore conservative. I am a slightly liberal. I'm a libertarian leaning, slightly liberal person. I think if anything, taxes should be funding this. Let me explain. Lahaina, economic hub in the Pacific for us. It's a big city with a lot of rich people, a lot of stuff going on down there. It's good for people and their lives. We pay taxes. Tax money should be used for things like this, not blowing up kids in foreign countries in the Middle East or starting wars in Ukraine. All right, the left is going to get triggered by that one. But um, engaging in war, fine. Russia invaded, fair point. But everything that we've been involved in, I believe, has been a misappropriation of funding. I do not believe we have any legitimate reason to be in Ukraine. I can I can simmer that down and say, you know, if there, there are arguments as to why we're spending money in Ukraine. Fine, I've heard it. But ultimately, the people of this country who pay taxes in this country are part of a network that we all agree upon. Social cohesion. It's the insurance we provide each other. The history of insurance goes back. People lived in a little village and they knew that if their house burned down, their, burned down, their neighbors would help them rebuild. And that was insurance. If my house catches fire, we all come together and help rebuild the house. And if your house catches fire, I too will be there to help you rebuild. Eventually, through currency and trade, they were developed, they developed companies that specialized in building houses. And it made more sense to just pay instead of actually doing the work yourself because you don't build houses. Now we all pitch in some money. And if our house burns down, then the company pays to have your house brought back, built back, uh, put back together. That's how insurance comes, uh, comes to be. That's what I see with taxes. I'm not the biggest fan of the high taxes we pay across the board, but so long as we are, I would like to see all of my tax revenue going into the pockets of those whose lives were, were disrupted, 
who lost loved ones and are trying to get back on their feet. Some of these people are well off and maybe don't need the money in the same way. Right. Somebody who only owns that house and that was their entire net worth. Like, let's get them their house back. Let's figure this out. Rest assured, ladies and gentlemen, your money will be going to Ukraine instead. Biden's visit was always going to be contentious, with some bemoaning his decision not to visit earlier and to opt to spend time at the beach. Others wanted him to stay away so resources weren't pulled from search and rescue. The president was criticized before his visit for failing to give the wildfire sufficient attention and accused of a sluggish response to the crisis. Last weekend, when asked as he left the beach in Delaware for his response to the fires, Biden replied, no comment. He also appeared to forget the name of Maui, repeatedly referring to the fires blazing on the big island. Mm. On Thursday, an emotional Ella Sable Takderen fought back tears as she told how she felt like the mainland was not treating her family like American citizens. It's really affecting me because there, where's the president? I mean, aren't we Americans too? We're part of the United States. Why are we getting put in the back pocket? Why are we being ignored? Oh, it's worse than that. Y'all are getting put in the back pocket while all of our money is being sent to Ukraine. Now, I understand that's not really how taxes work. Taxes just pull money from the system to control for inflation as they print and send money wherever they see fit. But sure, our value, our buying power should be going to Maui. Even Democrats were demanding to know why the federal aid had been slow to arrive and joined in their Republican colleagues in questioning Biden's delay in arriving in Maui. Man, these photos are horrifying. I don't even know what to say, man. It's the, it's the kids is the big news. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That so many children are missing. And this is the response we get. Tech Darren said the checks of 700 being handed out to each affected household were insultingly low. My parents received a check for $700, which was a slap in the face. You might as well give them nothing, to be completely honest, if you're going to give them that. Living in Hawaii, everything is so expensive. Groceries can be as much as $700 just for one grocery run, and it's not enough. She added elderly families in Hawaii are basically computer illiterate, which may explain why some people are being turned away on their applications for FEMA assistance. Some Hawaiians echoed Tekderan's criticisms on Monday, with one holding up a sign that compared assistance to Ukraine and Hawaii. Ukraine has, per capita, received $1,700 per person, the author calculated, since the war began. Biden and his wife took a helicopter tour of the affected areas before addressing a gathering of local officials, senators, and community officials. Biden did not speak to the media present. Mr. President, listen to the people. Yeah, well, he's not going to do that. Look at this. They're all flicking him off. The president spoke as he often does when addressing communities touched by tragedy of understanding the personal weight. Biden's first wife, Nalia, and their one-year-old daughter, Naomi, died in a car accident in 1972. He lost his adult son, Bo, to brain cancer in 2015. That hasn't stopped him from lying about it and claiming his son died in Iraq. When things look most bleak, that's when we need faith, said Biden, who spent 70 minutes after his remarks speaking to community members. He told how first responders support him after Nelia's death. 
and praised those involved in Hawaii's tragedy. In another stop, he referenced a 2004 fire at his Wilmington, Delaware home. I don't want to compare difficulties, but we have a little sense, Jill and I, of what it's like to lose a home. Years ago, now 15 years ago, while I was in Washington doing Meet the Press, it was a sunny Sunday and lightning struck at home on a little lake outside our home, not a lake, a pond. He said the spark went through the wires into the heating ducts and into the kitchen. To make a long story short, I almost lost, I, I almost, I almost my wife, almost lost my wife, my 67 Corvette and my cat. But all kidding aside, I watched the firefighters the way they responded. It is an anecdote that Biden often tells in times of tragedy. Firefighters arrived to heavy smoke, but were able to keep the flames contained to the kitchen. Luckily, we got it pretty early. Cranston Heights Fire Company Chief George Lamburn said at the time, the fire was under control in 20 minutes. Ah, yes, yes, yes. I, I understand a little bit. I once had a small kitchen fire that was put out. Could have lost my car. I know you've got hundreds, maybe a thousand children missing. But think about my car. I am not so extremely outraged by Biden flubbing these comments and saying these things. I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, I'm just so mad at Joe Biden all the time. I don't rightly care for the most part. No, I got to be honest. I don't. I think it is a bit absurd to pick and choose why you are outraged at certain comments when they don't land, why they're awful, blah, blah, blah. Joe Biden does a bad job. The real fault lies not with Joe Biden, but with those who are so angry with Donald Trump, they voted for him. And now we have this paltry, pathetic leadership. We need real leaders. We need anyone. Yo, come on. Y'all can complain all day and night about Ron DeSantis' campaign, but he would be infinitely better than Joe Biden. RFK Jr. To be fair, yes. I, you know, hold on. I was going to say RFK, RFK Jr. and Gavin Newsom. And then I thought for a second about Kamala Harris. And no, no, she'd be worse. Because while Joe Biden might fall asleep or give you some nonsense story, Kamala Harris would say literally nothing. I mean, words would be coming out of her mouth, but you wouldn't understand what was going on. Maybe, that, maybe you know, to be fair, maybe inspiring confusion is better than inspiring ire. You know, if Kamala Harris came in, she'd be like, fires are bad. And we want fires to not be here because fires are bad. And you just be like, huh? That's probably what Kamala Harris would do. Man, that lady is dumb. Incapable of holding public office, in my opinion. I honestly think they should both be removed from office due to cognitive impairment. But sure, fine, whatever. The question, I suppose, is should we impeach Joe Biden over protecting Hunter from criminal prosecution? shady business dealings. Maybe, but then everyone goes, yeah, but Kamala is impeachment insurance. That's why they really wanted her. Because if Joe Biden gets impeached and convicted, Kamala Harris becomes president. And I got to say, yeah, she's probably worse because she's just like a listless vessel. I love that. huh? Listless vessel. Gavin Newsom. Okay. The dude's maybe a lizard person, but at least he'll function. I could at least appreciate that in his lizard brain, he can inspire some people. Not that I want any of them. Donald Trump has said stupid things, things I don't like. He mocked a journalist being body slammed. Hey, dude, I'm not okay. I don't like journalists at these corporate publications, but I don't think you make light of of physical violence being used against them. You know, whatever. But that's how much people hate these, 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 these corporate smear merchants. Donald Trump has said things worthy of criticism. Of course he has a lot of things. But I feel like Donald Trump is a bit better at morale building and insp- inspi- uh, inspiring confidence. 
We were speaking with Lauren Brown last night and Tim Cast IRL, and she had a red pill moment was that she posted on Facebook criticizing Trump over his response to Hurricane Maria in Puerto Rico. But she later then found out that a lot of the supplies that Trump had delivered were rotting and were never given to the people. And it made her think, how does this happen? They mocked Trump as he threw supplies out to needy people. Donald Trump throwing out supplies to people is a good thing. Joe Biden appearing to fall asleep is a bad thing. But these people hate Donald Trump in their hearts. They are just so hateful that they would rather the people of Hawaii suffer and live in fear with no leadership. They would rather that than Donald Trump be a nasty guy. That's where we're at. So as we enter this uh, election cycle, I hope you all keep that in mind, the importance of this story. It is not to say that Joe Biden is um, ha ha ha, he fell asleep or how dare he say that story. The issue is this. Any reasonable person would conclude this man is not able to handle the job. You think at 80 years old and he'll be what, 81 when the next election comes around? You think voting for him makes sense? No, I'm sorry. If he can't handle the job now, he's not going to be able to handle the job at all. And that's what we say to people. Now, I must also entertain the possibility that it becomes Gavin Newsom. And perhaps Gavin Newsom is going to be the nominee because Biden is clearly showing he's incapable of being president. And then your argument's out. Fine, so be it. We will, we will have discussions about Gavin Newsom if Gavin Newsom actually does become the nominee. Maybe RFK spikes the Democrats, runs as an independent, and Trump wins. We will see. For the time being, the answer is clear. You were wrong, Biden voters, in supporting this man. You made a mistake. Your hatred for Donald Trump blinded you. And now we have someone who is failing and incapable of doing the job. This man cannot be allowed to win in 2024. You must not vote for him because he will be even worse off. I got to tell you, any complaint you might have about Donald Trump is not logically as bad as what Joe Biden currently is doing. He is not paying attention. He is drifting off. He's falling asleep. He's telling absurd stories here in Hawaii. He's the Afghanistan withdrawal was the was was just a nightmare in American policy because this man is incapable of doing the job he has been tasked with in his ego. So desperate to be president. What was it? The third time he ran? Absolutely pathetic. He wanted it so bad. And these Biden voters gave it to him. Why? Because they hated Trump, not because they liked Joe Biden. That's right. And this is what we get. These people who genuinely say we're better off now. You're wrong. We're not. We need real leadership. And a lot of people on the right are so convinced that Joe Biden is so bad. Someone else must be running the show. A lot of people think it's Obama to a certain degree, maybe. But I really do think that the problem is there is no strong authority in the executive branch. That people are like, I think Afghanistan was the result of Joe Biden muttering incoherently and then people being like, just do whatever, I guess. No core vision, through line and leadership. And that's where we end up now. I am not going to blame this guy for a wildfire, but I am going to criticize him for being incapable of doing the job. That's all that needs to be said. And I said it in 21 minutes. There you go. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out and I'll see you all then. There's a balance. And what I mean by this is sometimes you'll see news stories of crazy people doing crazy things, and it is not indicative of the wider world. However, there's an inversion to this. 
in that people assume all of these stories are outliers and fringe nonsense and everything's fine, which brings us to the optimism bias and the normalcy bias. Here we have a story from the Post Millennial. Secret Service arrests Chicago public school history teacher, 41, who threatened to kill Trump and Barron. No pre-dawn raid. This one's uh, really funny. The reason why it's no pre-dawn raid is because we just had that story out of Provo, Utah, where there was a man saying similar things about Joe Biden. And when they showed up in a pre-dawn raid, it resulted in the death of this individual. The question is, why did they raid that man and not this woman? Well, to be fair, this guy was known to have a whole bunch of guns. And I think this lady is probably not known for having a whole bunch of guns, excuse me, especially in Chicago. This is what I want to talk to you about with balance. I see a story like this. And the question is, is this woman indicative of something greater happening right now? The answer is actually yes and no. There's always crazy people saying and doing crazy things. So you need to consider that with 300 and some odd million people in this country, you are going to have wackos. But at the same time, I think it's important to understand how this feeds into a growing political escalation, which is apparent to anyone who's paying attention. The answer being some people seem to think that when I say we are on track for a civil war, they can't get in their mind what that means because they've not read history of this country or other countries. So the only thing they can imagine is a whole bunch of Democrats grabbing weapons and marching through the streets and a whole bunch of Republicans grabbing weapons. And they clash at the first battle of Bull Run, which is nowhere close to what I'm talking about. I'm talking about social destabilization. I'm talking about economic collapse and balkanization. And there's some really interesting conversations about what might happen if they try to remove Trump from the ballot. Could they then remove Biden from the ballot in other states for his alleged crimes? And then what do you get? You get statewide balkanization. Who then recognizes the executive branch of this country? Yeah, you see where it's going. It doesn't result in armed factions marching to the street. It could result in something like this. Let's say Spanish Civil War. Far leftists start taking control of institutions, start arresting and locking people up and torturing them. And then eventually you get a prominent military figure with many loyal individuals who follow his orders. And thus civil war starts when a military, when when, when a branch of the military or a high ranking individual says, we're not following this anymore. So let's say someone in law enforcement, in military or whatever. And I'm talking about anyone like you can't have this perception of what is legal and what is not legal, because all all that is what people are willing to do. What if someone who's in the military says we are going to go and shut down these these prisons that are torturing American citizens because we've sworn an oath to defend this country from enemies, both foreign and domestic, something like step into the world of power, loyalty and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply that. You might be arguing they have no authority to do that. They would never do that. Yeah. uh, A lot of people are doing things that the authority do so, right? The point is you need to stop thinking in terms of rigid human structures. 
There are a lot of people. I, I love this. I love this example. There are people who think that if you sign a contract, the contract, I'm sorry, you know, it's like I tricked you into signing away power of attorney. Aha. Now I can sell your house. Yeah, that'll never work. It just won't because humans interpret. So you might be tricked into assigning a contract and then they go, you have these TV shows like they did that one on uh, Netflix about a uh, black mirror where they're like, well, no, you signed the contract and now they have the rights to your life. It's like, oh, darn, does not fly. You can't trick someone into entering a contract. The judge will just throw it out and say the contract is void. The thing is, humans decide whether or not things are upheld and courts have very little enforcement power. When the Supreme Court says a thing, it's mostly because people decide they have to do it because they said so. If at some point a large faction says, I'll just decide to do something else, then something else be done. Here's the story. A Chicago former social studies teacher woman was arrested by federal agents on Monday after she allegedly threatened to shoot GOP frontrunner Donald Trump and his youngest son, Barron. According to the U.S. Attorney's Office in Chicago, 41-year-old Tracy Marie Fiorenza was arrested on Monday morning on the charge of transmitting threats to kill or injure, injure the Daily Mail reported. I, I'm not going to read what she said, but she made these threats, very insane threats. The email was reportedly sent to the head of the Palm Beach Area Educational Institution. In a similar email, Fiorenza allegedly wrote on June 5th that she would <clears throat> into Baron Trump with his father in self-defense. You know, I just want to point out, you get these Twitch streamers who are like, we should all go and commit X action in a video game. Dude, that does not work. Okay, please take this into consideration. Leftist streamers who advance criminal action, but say in a video game, we should all go and overthrow in a video game. You see, it doesn't work. Doesn't work. She said in self-defense. And then they came and arrested her for it. You see how that works? Agents reportedly interviewed Fiorenza on June 14th at the agency's Chicago field office, during which time she was shown copies on the emails of the emails and admitted to sending them. Agent said the affidavit states that Fiorenza lives in Plainfield, Illinois, Chicago suburb. Wow, that's crazy. I know Plainfield all too well. According to CBS News Chicago, Fiorenza made her first court appearance on Monday afternoon, where a judge said that her case must be heard in Florida, where the charges were filed. She is scheduled to to appear back in Chicago's federal court on Wednesday, where the judge will decide how she will be transported to Florida. On Facebook, going by the name Tracy Fiorenza de Rothschild, she claims to be a former social studies teacher at Chicago public schools. In one post, she wrote that the Trump family, the Trump family Hollywood pedo ring in the arts followed home staff and students from Oxbridge Academy in St. Andrew's Episcopal Church School in Maryland. Baron Trump was in, so this is like insane psycho conspiracy stuff. Baron Trump was enrolled in classes at both educational institutions, but never physically attended a single day, blah, blah, blah. This is nuts. Oh, these people are crazy. She is convinced. This is like, this is blue on, like Democrat psycho conspiracy babble stuff. She posted a photo of a Trump effigy hanging. This is crazy. I suppose a lot of people uh, are surprised there was no pre-dawn raid for this violent and deranged, in, deranged individual. Let me just stress, when you get a 300-pound guy posting pictures of himself in body armor with weapons, you're probably a bit more concerned about your safety, despite the fact the man was 70 years old. When you have a small, frail woman doing the same thing, you probably consider a lot less. So I'm just going to say, you can't come to me and say, like, 
These small petite women have no business being cops because they're being overpowered by a single man. There's that viral video where one guy just beats three female officers and they can't do anything about it. If we recognize that women tend to be smaller, less muscle mass, less bone density, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I don't think the feds are going to be all too worried about some frail woman in her house. She doesn't appear to be armed. It is what it is. But where do we go from here? Let's talk about the real elements of what could lead to civil war. We have institutional collapse, weaponization of government. You've got individuals being held without charge or trial in violation of the Constitution, due process, etc. in these prisons in D.C. over January 6th. One individual is just seen in photographs in what appears to be a janitor's mop closet. Crazy. This is torture. You have this story. Pickup truck mows down multiple pedestrians as it flees cop car for doing donuts in Atlanta street show. Social order breaking down. No confidence in the system, no confidence in law enforcement, no respect for the system at all. These trucks going about their business mm -hmm, because they don't think the cops are going to do anything about it. And if the cops try, they don't think the cops have any authority. The, the authority of the police officer only extends into their physical abilities. You take a look at the far left. They have something called de-arrest. A cop will arrest someone. The activists will attack the police and pull that person away and de-arrest them. Why? Because they understand the concept of natural law. Conservatives live very much in this rigid world where it's like, you can't do that because the law says. Leftists live in this world of you can do anything so long as you have power. So they will take these actions. But let's think about the natural conclusion to these things. People increasingly getting more violent and targeting politicians. Not that I think this, uh, this story is anything more the, the Secret Service one like this lady was just nuts. But you take a look at social order breakdown in these cities. And eventually, you're going to have an inverse. Right now, you have many of these people on the left doing whatever they want. I say they're on the left, but many of these people who vote Democrat, mind you, or don't vote at all, they're looting Nordstrom, they're looting Nike, they're storming in, into 7-Elevens, they're just taking whatever they want, just stealing from Walgreens, and it's been getting worse over the past several years. Eventually, you'll get the inverse, vigilantes. I mean, it's not even fair to call them vigilantes. If there's no law enforcement, then law enforcement must emerge. How soon until we get locals getting armed and guarding stores? How soon after that do you have people just acting like the federal government and law enforcement and the county sheriff and all that don't matter? Because you're going to have a guy who says the only one stopping this crime is going to be me. And then the police likely will go after the law abiding citizens. Why? It is infinitely easier to arrest someone who believes in the law than someone who doesn't. Someone who believes in the law is going to be like, well, OK, I guess you got me. But my point is this. Eventually, no one will believe in the law. So when that sheriff or that federal law enforcement agent shows up to this neighborhood watch who's been guarding their local supermarket and they say, you are acting illegally with illegal weapons, blah, blah, blah. These people are going to be like, you are just some random people who've shown up. Imagine it this way. Your grocery store keeps getting looted. We see the videos over and over again, people going and filling up cars and just leaving. Eventually, the supermarket announces we're going to have to shut down because this is not sustainable. Locals who need the supermarket say we're going to form a watch group to guard this store and prevent the shoplifting. Eventually, someone comes in, tries stealing a bunch of stuff. A fight breaks out. The person's armed as a shootout. Somebody dies. The local neighborhood watch security group then has the local police come and, and medics deal with the issue and take the body. But then you get the lawsuits, the anger, the protests, the riots. Federal law enforcement shows up. But consider it this way. 
In your mind, you're imagining a guy in a uniform with a badge. Now, understand that if people don't have confidence in that badge in that system, the man may as well be a dude in a flannel and blue jeans. Now, imagine this, a neighborhood watch group guarding their store from violent criminals who are armed and have hurt people in the past and are trying to destroy their community. These people are armed guarding the store when several vehicles pull up and men with guns jump out. These men are wearing white T-shirts and and blue jeans. The people guarding the store are going to say, get down and drop your weapons. And the people in the blue jeans are going to say, no, you drop your weapons. The point is, obviously, I'm referring to law enforcement pulling up. But if the people who live in this community feel like there is no law enforcement the same way the criminals do, you see where this goes. This is where we get into civil war territory. When police break down, not to mention many of these cops will be locals and say, we're not going to enforce this. There's going to be local cops who are like, our hands are tied. We can't arrest these people because the courts let them go. So vigilante groups arise and take the place of security. These police are then told to go and stop the vigilante groups. And they say, no way. That's John. He runs the barbershop. That's Janet. She runs the bakery. I'm not going to go and screw with them. They're my neighbors. State law enforcement has to come in. These guys are foreigners as far as anyone else is concerned. And they say, get out. You don't enforce the laws here at all. We're not going to stand for it. That is the breaking point. But I don't know exactly how this plays out. I'm just saying this is what people don't seem to understand. They seem to think it's going to be like all the red state governors come together and sign a decree and say, we hereby declare civil war. Bang. Yeah, no, not going to happen that way. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out and I'll see you all then. The corporate press has launched one of the most laughably bad smears I have ever seen in politics. I'm impressed because this smear, it seems pretty obvious. This is what they do. Mishmashing quotes to falsely frame a a story. But it's it's so obvious. It's just going to have the opposite effect. Basically, there's this insane quote from The Atlantic where they claim that Vivek Ramaswamy argued that there were federal agents on the planes that hit the World Trade Center on 9-11. Okay, here's what really happened. I'll tell you my opinion. The guy at the Atlantic who was talking to Vivek took two totally different quotes, mashed them together, put quotes around it because they can, because it was a quote. And there's nothing you can do about it. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Then they recycle the garbage information into CNN, who then questions Vivek on TV. Why did you suggest that federal agents were on the 9-11 planes that crashed in the World Trade Center? What? As if to imply federal U.S. agents killed themselves to blow up the World Trade Center. I just. Wow. And now it's at the Hill. Ramaswamy spars with CNN's Collins over, quote, suggesting 9-11 conspiracy. And you see how this gets laundered? What happens next is they'll say something like you'll get another publication that will say Ramaswamy. They they can say something like Ramaswamy argues 9-11 conspiracy on national television. Yes. 
he argued about a conspiracy, not in favor of it, against it. But then they'll frame it as though, I mean, that headline makes it seem like he's pushing it. Another outlet will say, and we all know about the insane arguments put forward by Ramaswamy about 9-11, as if to imply he is a truther or conspiracy theorist. But in fact, the issue, Vivek, that you're running into is that you called out the federal agencies because there was a Saudi Arabian asset involved and you called them out and they don't like it that you did this. So now they will try to smear you, to discredit you, to protect themselves. Here's the story from The Hill. GOP presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy argued with CNN's Caitlin Collins over an interview published in The Atlantic, where he appeared to float a conspiracy about the September 2001 attacks. Collins pressed Ramaswamy on a quote that he gave The Atlantic for an article published Monday in which he seemed to question whether federal agents were involved in the 9-11 attacks that left 3,000 people dead 22 years ago. The White House hopeful attempted to walk back his comments, telling comments the article misquoted him. You see how the hill is doing this? There is no reasonable world where Vivek Ramaswamy argued federal agents killed themselves in suicide missions on planes. That is psychotic. What I said is on January 6th, I do believe there were many federal agents in the field and we deserve to know who they are. Ramaswamy told CNN's The Source. On 9-11, what I said is that the government lied and this is incontrovertible and there is and this is incontrovertible evidence, Caitlin. The government lied about Saudi Arabia's involvement. Again, I asked that reporter to send a recording because it was on the record. He refused to do it. But we had a free flowing conversation. He told Collins when she pressed him further on the quotes. The truth is there are lies the government has told about 9-11, but it's not the ones that somebody put in my mouth. It's the ones that I articulated, which is that Saudi Arabia, absolutely their intelligence was involved in 9-11. That's according to a declassified document that even CNN acknowledges exists. Collins was referring to a statement Ramaswamy made to The Atlantic in which he reportedly said, now hold on, let me pull up The Atlantic article for you. Look at this one. Ramaswamy waved at Hurd's assertion. He told me that if Trump weren't running, they wouldn't be prosecuting him. With each passing, you see what they did here? He's talking about Democrats. And they put they in quotes. With each new indictment, Ramaswamy has doubled down in his public promise to pardon Trump if elected. He told me that he believes doing so would be the right thing for the country. He said the indictments so far were obviously politically motivated. During one of his truth monologues, the Lincoln Dinner, Ramaswamy told the crowd, we can handle the truth about what really happened on January 6th. As the bus rolled north, I asked him, what is the truth about January 6th? I don't know, but we can handle it, he said. Whatever it is, we can handle it. Government agents, how many government agents were in the field, right? Then suddenly he was talking about 9-11. What? I think it is legitimate to say how many police, how many federal agents were on the planes that hit the Twin Towers. Maybe the answer is zero. It probably is zero for all I know, right? I have no reason to think it was anything other than zero. But if we're doing a comprehensive assessment, of what happened on 9-11, we have a 9-11 commission. Absolutely, that she should be an answer the public knows the answer to. Well, if we're doing a January 6th commission, absolutely. Those should be questions that we should get to the bottom of. Here are people who were armed. Here are the people who were unarmed. What percentage of people who were armed were federal law enforcement officers, right? I think it was probably high, actually, right? I pressed him on the comparison, and suddenly the bold teller of truths was just asking questions. Oh, yeah, I don't think they belong in the same conversation. I think it's a ridiculous comparison. But I bought it, brought it up only because it was invoked as a basis for the January 6th commission. But is he actually confused about who was behind the 9-11 attacks? It was hard to get a straight answer from him. Quote, I mean, I would take the truth about 9-11, he said. 
I'm not, a, I'm not questioning what we, this is not something I'm staking anything on, but I want the truth about 9-11. Some truths, it seems, can be profoundly affirmed, others more elusive. Asked to clarify his views, his spokesperson pointed me to a 1,042-word tweet from the candidate, which suggested the U.S. government covered up involvement by Saudi intelligence officials in planning the attacks. Even CNN confirmed this. Caitlin Collins saying, yes, Biden declassified that. Let's give the Atlantic the benefit of the doubt and say the quote is real. I don't think it's real, but uh, let's say it was. What Vivek is saying in the quote is not that there were federal agents on the planes. He's saying if someone were to ask, a 9-11 commission would have the answer to that. Okay, a January 6th commission being brought up should have the answers to any of these questions. But you see how they twist it and they spin it and they they want to make it seem like Vivek was arguing there were federal agents on those planes. I mean, there may be sky marshals or something, but Collins was referring to a statement Ramaswamy made to the Atlantic. Now, here's what I want to say about this before we read more from the Hill and talk about CNN's garbage. Here's what they do. You see, you see how he breaks the quotes up? It says, well, if we're doing a January 6th commission, absolutely, those should be the questions to get to the bottom of. He said, and another quote, let me tell you how the media handles this because they did it to me. In one story, I believe it was the New York. It's been, it's been, no, it might have, might have been the Atlantic, actually. I don't know. It's been a long time. I told a long, uh, a, we had a long conversation with multiple stories told. Here's what they'll do. What they did to me was I said, there was an instance where X happened and I said, no. In another story, I said, I don't think we should do this. And then this happened. Two totally separate circumstances. The author then took them and placed them next to each other to make it seem like it was one story. I'll, I'll tell you that right story. I was in uh, Ferguson with Vice and we got word that flashbangs were going off. <clears throat> and this is this is I'll tell you the two stories I told the guy. And uh, the crew that I was with said, but we have an opportunity to interview Jesse Jackson. And I said, for what purpose would we interview him? He's already given a statement. He will give us the same statement. And they said, we're going to stay behind to interview him. And I said, good luck. Turns out they never actually got the interview. I don't know what they did. I went out by myself, drove in my car streaming and went out to the field to report on what was going on. I don't know what they ended up doing. It's been a long time. I think they ended up going afterwards and then streaming similar things on the ground. Later on, I think it was like a couple days later, there was an argument over whether or not we were handling things properly. I was perturbed saying, I am telling you what we need to cover. We need to be on the ground documenting these things going off, not sitting around trying to get interviews. And because of this argument, ultimately, I decided I'm out. The guy who was running Vice News, who was completely incompetent and eventually got fired, said, you should, he said, that's it. Story's done. You're, you're both coming back. And I said, fine, I'm out. The other crew that was there, who was supposed to be working with me, said, no, no, this is the biggest story of our lives. We have to stay. And I said, this is not the biggest story of my life. Okay. You can stay. I don't care. I'm done working with you. That crew later went out and did a live stream. I said, guess whose stream got more views? The context. There was some fight that happened a few days prior. Don't. That's it. There was an argument later on about me leaving. The stream done by the crew that wanted to stay for the biggest story of their lives got only a couple hundred views. My stream got like 60, 70,000 concurrence. It was it was one of the biggest streams Vice had ever done. So the first time a sub brand of Vice, Vice News, surpassed the parent page in the um, I think it's called Chartbeat. 
the concurrent viewers on the page. What the guy, what the journalist did was he took these two quotes, mashed them together. So I said, they wanted to interview Jesse Jackson. I wanted to cover the news. Guess whose stream got more views? As if to imply they did interview Jesse Jackson and they didn't get views. Then here's the best part. When Vice undoubtedly got angry and said, that's not true. We never even interviewed Jesse Jackson. The author, instead of saying, oops, I fabricated a story, said, we removed Tim Pool's quotes for it contained errors. These people are evil. And that's what they're likely doing to Vivek. Now you can understand. Vivek may have said something like, I think it's legitimate to say how many police, how many federal agents were at January 6th. Maybe the answer is zero. It's probably zero for all I know. I have no reason to think it was anything other than zero. In fact, he's actually said something like that. It could have been that early on, he said something like, I have no reason to think he could have said very early on, if we're going to do a comprehensive assessment of what happened on 9-11 and we have a 9-11 commission, we should be knowing question, knowing the answers to many questions. And if we do a January 6th commission, it should be the same. And then what the Atlantic could do, I'm not saying they did, is take the quotes, mash them together. And now you have a completely different story. But here's the thing. If Vivek were to go out and sue for defamation and say, this is, an ins- this is insane, they can be like, this, he actually said these things to us. You see how, the, how they play this dirty game? Because they're evil. Back over at the Hill. He says, he's, uh, here, here we go. Collins then suggested he was using his platform to spot unproven claims about the attacks, saying that it feels like he's towing the line when it comes to conspiracy theories. He said, I think, he said, I think people look at those comments. They look at what you said in The Atlantic. And what you say were misquoted. They look at the comments that you've made about the Federal Reserve adding zeros to media companies' bank accounts. It looks like you're just floating conspiracy theories. He said he stands by his words when Collins quoted him, but that he has a problem when someone else quoting me is putting words in my mouth. When reached for comment, Ramaswamy's campaign said the businessman was referring to the January 6th attacks, not the 9-11 attacks. Anyone can clearly tell that's what he's saying. How many federal agents were on January 6th? I don't believe this journalist. I think he's lying. I think they have an agenda. I respect Vivek for trying to go around and give as many interviews as possible, but they're going to keep lying about you, dude. I'll leave this one there. You get it. They're dirty smear merchants and they're liars. Next segment's coming up at 8 p.m. tonight over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out and I'll see you all then. More and more videos like this are coming out. I commented on this earlier in the week from the Daily Mail. Outrage in Oakland as wild video shows women being violently dragged on the ground during armed robbery. The shocking incident of violence unfolded on August 16th at 6.15 p.m. and left the unnamed woman with severe injuries, cops investigating the East Bay City said. Yep, shocking video has emerged of a woman being pistol whipped and dragged across the gravel by two thugs. It's not the first. There's another video of an old woman in a parking lot. And a guy tries grabbing her person. He just drags her across the lot and then rips the purse away as people just watch and they do nothing. And a guy's like, hey, you, you better, you better stop. And this is why I talk about social breakdown. Now, my response to this was, I'd say vote Republican, but I don't think a strongly worded letter is going to convince these people to stop robbing other people. That's what the Republicans are going to do. Maybe vote libertarian and you can carry a weapon and protect yourself. but. Uh, This is what you get when you live in these cities. Weekend robbery spree. A map shows the several reported incidents of robbery over the weekend, which has caused business owners to liken the notoriously urban area to a battleground and cops to instruct residents to secure their homes. 
Now, you know, I think it's funny. I think it's funny because I just spent time up in Portland, Maine. And uh, people like to talk about Maine and Democrat policies. And there's a funny, there's a viral meme that racists uh, like to cite where they, where the Democrats are like, Maine is Democrat and they don't have these very serious problems. And then racists are like, aha, but Maine is mostly white. Maine actually has a, a bang, bang, Bangor, Maine, the third least diverse city in the country, they say. Now, I think the issue is population density for the most part. I think when people know each other, the risk is greater. So let me break down what I think is happening with stories like this. A strongly worded letter. It's likely what's going to be sent out. Let's be real. When you call the police after witnessing something like this, what do you do? You are sending strong words to law enforcement, asking them to help you. And then they don't. And they don't do it for a variety of reasons. The first being they're not there. The guy committed the crime already. He's gone. The woman's injured. Her purse is gone. In 10 seconds, he grabbed anything of value, put it in his pockets, threw the rest away. They pick up the purse, they grab the money, they throw it. That's it. How would the cops actually catch these people unless the cops were everywhere all the time? They can't do it. The other issue, even if they do arrest these guys, what's going to happen to them? Nothing. So here's what happens. In these massively dense, disgusting cesspools, typically run by Democrats, no one cares about each other. The cop don't care about you. The burglar don't care about you. Small towns, things are different. Portland, Maine, things are different. Why? There's less people. People are more likely to know each other. I'll tell you, the crazy thing is uh, out here in West Virginia, everybody knows each other. Not literally, but it's just more, more likely. Think about what that means in terms of law enforcement. You're a cop. You know who runs the local diner. There's two of them. One is a few miles outside of the city. One's in the city. And you know both families that run it. Now, imagine one day you see a car speeding and you pull him over and you walk up and there it is, the kid, the son of the man who owns the local diner. And you're like, Jimmy, I'm going to come in tomorrow for breakfast. You're speeding and I got to tell your dad about it. And the kid's going to be like, oh, man, oh, man, dude, I'm so sorry. Please don't tell my dad. He's going to tell you what. Stop speeding. You go a little bit over. I get it. But you're going 15, 20 over. You do it again. I'm calling your dad. And the kid's going to be like, deal, done. That's small town living. Not always. Not always. But more likely. Or the cop pulls over and says, I'm going to write you a warning. I don't got to tell your dad because it's just a warning. But it's going to be on the books. If you get a ticket, he's going to find out you got written up again already. And he's going to know you were speeding more than once. And that kid's going to be like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Officer Smith. How does it work in a city? Oh, in a city. You get pulled over and the cop says, don't know you, don't care, tell it to a judge. You get pulled over because the cop gets the wrong guy. It happened to me. I tell the story a million times. I'm exiting at Belmont on Lakeshore Drive. I am not speeding. Cop pulls me over, gives me a ticket. I'm assuming his radar gun hit a different car that was speeding past me, but I was braking. I was exiting. And he says, tell it to a judge. I don't care. Callous, cold, pathetic. I hate it. Let's talk about the inverse. You are the uh, uh, son of the, of the manager of a local hardware store. And uh, that cop comes in periodically because he's got days off. And he sees you working there and you say, howdy, small town, not very large. Well, one day this uh, young kid's walking down the street and he sees a robbery taking place or he's the victim of a robbery. Cop sees 
guy he knows, kid being robbed. He speeds up, lights on, intervenes. Small town, easier for the cops to respond, less likely for, for there to be crime. He says, we don't know who this guy is committing the crime. We know he attacked one of one of, you know, the neighbors, locals, kids. He knows you. He immediately says, you back off hands behind your back. Let's try it in a big city. In a big city, someone calls in a robbery taking place and the cop goes, you want to get this one? Not really, but I guess so. Let's give it a few minutes. They then show up. The woman is in tears and they're like, lady, we don't know you. Now, I know that's not every scenario. Cops do rush to the scene. In that uh, Atlanta story, the cop slams into the truck, jumps out with his gun drawn to try and stop these guys. I'm not saying it's all the time. I'm saying you're more likely to encounter a situation in which a cop says, I don't know you, man. I'm not going to risk my life for you. I just want to go home and watch the game. It's a job. Population density, I believe, is a great contributor to all of these problems. People don't know each other. People don't care about each other. And there is no risk to telling you to shove off. So let's take a look at New Jersey and I'll elaborate. Attila's gym. During the COVID lockdowns, they stayed open. Local cops said, we're not getting involved. So what did the city do? They called in cops from a different jurisdiction. These cops showed up and said, don't know, don't care because we don't live here. Y'all are under arrest. I think they detained people and took ideas. I don't know if anyone got actually arrested. They might have. But that's the point. In New York, they were shutting down bars. One bar said, "Okay, we are no longer a public store. We are now a private establishment giving away drinks for free so we can stay open. Local police refused to to intervene. They said, no way. So they brought in state troopers and these pieces of trash lined up in front of a bar to block people from going in to hang out with their friends because they're evil scumbags. That's how this system operates. So as law and order breaks down and people start to recognize none of it matters, what do you get? In these places, Oakland, for instance, They know the police will not do anything to stop them. Why? Because these cops are scared. Either they get into a fight and lose their lives. They try to defend themselves and now they're going to prison. Or even if they succeed in arresting the criminal, the DA lets them out the next day. Say free to go. Just go back and do your thing. And this is what I think we're heading towards. Eventually, you get people, law abiding citizens who don't feel that there's law anymore. And they'll be forced to take the law into their own hands or they'll choose to. And then when they see a cop, they'll say, you have no authority here. What are you doing here? Let's put it this way. If you put on the uniform for, let's say, uh, uh, Fancyville, Oklahoma. I don't know that I just made that name up. Maybe there's a Fancyville, but whatever. And you walk into, say, uh, let's do another. Let's 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 do Martinsburg, West Virginia. You think you're going to be able to pull someone over or issue a ticket or a fine? They're going to be like, what, what is this? Fancyville? You're not, you have no jurisdiction here. Some people may see the badge in the uniform and just comply. That's how scary it is, right? But what happens when you live in a town and a sheriff pulls up and you're like, I don't know you. You have no authority here. The sheriff's going to be like, yes, I do. It's my county. And you'll be like, dude, we have crimes happening all the time and none of y'all ever show up. You don't get to show up now. We don't recognize you. You don't come help us. It's at that point that you get factionalization and conflict. And then what happens when the police, the police departments just break down? You know, look, you have more and more cops getting criminally charged for doing their jobs. And it's kind of crazy to me. You got that one cop 
who told that guy to crawl on your hands. Now put your hands up. Now crawl on your hands. Now put your hands up. And then the guy tries to pull his pants up and the guy shoots him and kills him. That cop gets another job. No problem. Then you get like the Chauvin incident and they're just like, eh, that cop that was just standing there confused. You're going to prison too. Crazy. Social order seems inevitable. Cops will, it's, a, it's, it's an inversion. The George Floyd thing, that's the guy, Tao Tao, his name was. He wasn't, he, he didn't hold George Floyd down. He wasn't involved in restraining George Floyd. He was just holding the crowd back. Why was he criminally charged for anything? That's crazy, right? What do they get him on? Like aiding and abetting? This is where the breakdown happens. If cops can't enforce the law, they go to jail. Someone's got to protect their community. Vigilante groups will arise. Neighborhood watches will arise. Then when the law enforcement tries to come after them, they'll say, we don't, we don't respect your authority. We reject it. This is what you get. You vote for this. This is what happens in Oakland. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. today. Thanks for hanging out, and we'll see you all next time.